Praise God. Well, get your Bibles out this morning, church. You know, we do that little yell because you're supposed to be excited when I say get the word because you're going to learn something that's going to be just revolutionary to you this morning. So let's try it one more time. Get your word out, church. There you go. Now you sound like you're a little excited. And um, go to John chapter 16. John 16. Okay, I preached a message the, the past two weeks before Brother Ivan was here last week. And then I didn't finish it because I, I was minus really preaching on the third point. I told you what it was. But I, taught, I was preaching about three mighty works, three mighty powers that God gives you, three mighty uh, however you want to look at it. Then I laugh when Brother Ivan comes in here and preaches and he says, no, there's three mighty things. And I was like, wait a minute, you're stealing my message. You've been listening to me. But anyway, but I'm excited because I want to I want to get into this message uh, this morning and, and share this with you. And the first point was of the of the however you want to say this, the three revelations you can have that will change your life or the three powers that God gives you or the three great things there is. The very first thing I talk about is the living word. Man, this word of God is living. Amen. I mean, I preach this all the time. I'm telling you, if you're not reading your Bible, you're crazy. You're being foolish. Here is the promises of God for your life. Here are the seeds that are can be sown in your heart that will change your life. Here's what you need to be speaking to people and telling them what the Bible says. They don't need your opinion. Hello? They don't need your opinion. They don't need to know what your mama did unless it was the word. Listen to me. I'm preaching really good. Y'all all got quiet like I said something bad to you. I'm just telling you there's nothing that's going to change your life except the word of God. And when a person gets a revelation of what the promise of the word of God is, it sets you free. It changes your life. Okay? But if you don't know what the word says... And, I mean, you can't just know a few couple of scriptures. You need to read your Bible on a continual basis. It's a living word. It'll jump out to you. It'll leap off the page to you. It'll, it'll come alive in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't read, you're not going to see it. Okay? Um, I, you know, something I was just thinking about this morning is, like, I had, when I got saved, I had never, this sounds terrible, but I had never read a book in my life. I made it all the way through high school and never read a book. I only had one book I ever read, and it was Cochise. And it was the thinnest book in the library because you had to do book reports. And so I always did my book report on Cochise because it was the thinnest book. And I'd pull it out, I'd skim through it, and I'd write up, a, you know, I'd just make stuff up and write up this thing. And then turn that in, and I'd always get me an A. And, uh, and so Cochise and me, you know, we were buds. And so, but I never read a book. I never read a book. I went through all of school. I never read a book. I'm a skimmer. I scanned over everything. I just had the ability to look at stuff and pull out what needed to be, but I never sat down and read a book. Then I get saved. Jesus comes to my life, and I get a hunger for the Word of God to read the Bible. And I had this old Bible that my grandfather had given me. And, well, it wasn't an old Bible. It was just old in the sense. It was brand new, basically, because <laughs> I never broke the page on the thing. But anyway, I started reading that, you know, I started reading the Word, and I just, I got up every day, and I read my Bible, because I wanted to know, I wanted to be a part of what, you know, I wanted to understand the Word. And uh, I, my wife, we lived in a two-story house at the time, and I would meet her every day, coming down the stairs, standing there, holding my, did you know it said this? Well, she was raised a little Baptist girl, and, you know, she did sword drills and knew all these kind of things, and I didn't. And so she was like, yeah, I knew that was in the Bible. And I was like, really? I didn't know. Nobody ever told me this. And so, you know, now, uh, 38 years later, I'm still every morning. Is this not true? Every morning, 
Except now it's hard because she wants to preach to me. So she's saying, look what it says here. And I said, well, but listen, I'm first. I'm, uh, and so we go through this thing, uh, arguing back and forth about who's getting the word shared, you know. And, and, uh, and so anyway, it's terrible when you're sitting there drinking coffee in the morning. I got a revelation. I was like, look, look, did you know what it said like this? She said, yeah, but it says this over here and here. And I'm like, don't be. Come on. So anyway, so the, the word's alive. It's a living word. It's alive. And then I started getting so hungry, I started just getting every preacher. I, I was preaching in the jails at the time, and I would go in there and preach. And I remember Pastor John Osteen uh, sent all of his books out that we were supposed to distribute in the jails. Well, I read every one of them before I gave them out because I just was hungry, ravenous for the word. I was hungry to hear what somebody else had to say or their take on the word. I wasn't following a man. I was just following what was their thought or how did they hear the word. And then I just got the next bunch of books and the next bunch of books. And, you know, and so now I have a library of five or six hundred books that I've read because I read them and I didn't skim over them. So Jesus took me from somebody who could only read Cochise to ravenous for the word, right? And that's what changes your life. That's how I've lived and I, I, I never want to change because revival came into my life when I got saved and I just wanted to keep revival going. And the only way you're going to keep revival going is the word. It's a living word. It will leap into your heart. And so the second weapon I talked about was that, that the blood of Jesus, you have to understand what the blood of Jesus did for you. You may, not be, you may be sitting in here today and you may not feel worthy. You may not feel worthy to be called a saint. The Bible refers to you as a saint. The Bible says that when you die and you go to heaven, that when the time comes, you will judge angels on their work. What? What? Like there's an angel that I have the right to stand up to and say, well, but you didn't really cut the mustard. That blows my mind that, that God would put that upon us, that, we, that that's how he looks at us. But you see, a lot of times the devil's convinced us that that's not true, that you're not worthy, that you're not holy, that you have no rights, you have no privileges, you have no authority, you are nothing. That's what the devil's job is, is to, to kill, to steal, and destroy your life. Well, when you get a revelation of the blood of Jesus and what the blood of Jesus did for you. Listen, you didn't do it. Jesus did it. Jesus went to the cross and died for you and me. He was the son of God. He paid the price for you. He did it all. He, you didn't have anything to do with it. Look at the person beside you and say, you didn't have nothing to do with it. You were only the sinner going to get saved. Hear this. No, you're not worthy. No, you're not good enough. No, you do not have the abilities and the intellect and the whatever to achieve it. Only one could was Jesus. And he did it for us. And then he said, if you believe in me and I'm your Lord and Savior, you do it, you believe in me, then here I'm going to put my, if you let me say it like this, I'm going to put my seal on you. I'm going to put my approval on you. I'm going to pour my blood on you. And then you're not going to, they're not, people aren't going to see you in heaven or on earth or under the earth as you. They're going to see you covered in my blood and they're going to say, ooh, watch it. That's one of them Jesus people. Oh. See, the devil doesn't want you to know that you have authority over him. So he doesn't want you to know you're covered in the blood. He doesn't want you to know that he's fearful of the blood. 
He doesn't want you to know that he has to obey the blood because it all represents Jesus. And when you get a revelation of that, the blood of Jesus that has made you holy and righteous and unblameable before God in his sight, then, folks, that gives you a new power and dimension in your life that you have the authority to stand up to what's going on in life and live according to what the living word says. Amen? Okay, so I preached all about that. So look at the person and say, that's good. Okay, so the third point, which I I just kind of brushed on, was that the third great weapon you have is the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, so this is what I want to major on today. So John 16, 5. Jesus is speaking. He says, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Okay, just think about this for a second. Here's Jesus. He's been going and doing miracles. All these things have happened. He's been walking on the water. Been, been doing all these things. And then Jesus tells his disciples, look, it's really to your advantage that I leave. And they're all like, what? What do you mean? What are you talking about? What do you mean? I, what I do? I'm gonna, it's too, how can it be to our advantage? You need to stay here with us. You need to go to, to Jerusalem. You need to go into the temple. You need to set up the, 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 the millennial kingdom right now. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I want to send you a, a comforter. I'm going to send you some. When I go, I'm going to go to heaven. And that, uh, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go. But if I do not go away... The helper will not come to you. Jesus said, look, i got to leave so the Holy Ghost can come. Hello? Now, how many of y'all believe Jesus knows what he's talking about? That he is smarter than you. Right? Look at the person beside you. Come on, say, yeah, he's smarter than you. He's got it figured out. He knows what he's talking about, right? So if Jesus is saying this, this must be truth. Hello? If Jesus is saying it's to your advantage that I go away, then it must be truth. And he said, there's a helper coming. And he said, I'm going to send him to you. And when he's come, this is what he's going to do. He's going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because a ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but I cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, and what he's going to do, he's going to guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come, and he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and he's going to declare it to you. All things that the Father has, so they're mine. Therefore, I said to you, he will take of mine and declare it to you. Now, look what he said. He's going to lead you, guide you, reveal things to you. But yet, the church world has shunned the Holy Spirit because they're all scared of the Holy Spirit because, you know, and and I'm not blaming anybody or any denomination or anything, but there's been a few wild Pentecostal types They got around and freaked everybody out, and everybody put the Holy Spirit with this experience. Hear what I'm saying. I'm preaching really good. 
And I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just saying there's been a few emotional wild goofies that have made everybody else scared of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, I believe the words of Jesus, and he said it's to my advantage that I know the Holy Spirit. So you can't shun the Holy Spirit. You can't say, well, I like the Father, and I like the Son. Now, the Holy Ghost, he just is different. I don't want to have anything to do with him. You can't do that. If you do, if you do, listen to me, if you do that, you are shortening every experience that you can have on life, and you're shortening your life expectancy I'm going to say because you don't you're not having the guide you're not having the person with you that's going to help you and lead you along every day you should be crying out Holy Spirit come and fill me Holy Spirit show me today Holy Spirit guide me you should have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that he's just like standing right there beside you man that's the truth I mean I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and he hasn't gotten mad at me at this point but my relationship with the Holy Spirit is I'm always just saying, okay, okay, Holy Ghost, what are we going to do? I'm easing into everything. What do we do? This morning when I was out praying, this is, could be another whole message. When I was out praying this morning, talking to the Lord, I, I, one of my favorite scriptures is Nehemiah 2 and 8, that the good hand of God is upon you. And you hear me say that a lot because it's a revelation to me of God's hand upon me. But if you go back, it was from the book of Nehemiah, right? And Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. He was a waiter. It was not a prophet, teacher, Pharisee. He was a waiter. Yet God used him to go back and do a great, mighty work in Jerusalem to bring all the captives back. He's in the Bible. He got a book, right? Pretty important guy. And he was the waiter. And so I was saying this to the Lord. Yeah, Lord. You're bound to be able to use me. I mean, Nehemiah, he's just a waiter, you know. And I said that, and the Holy Spirit stopped me instantly and said, you know what he had? I said, what? And he said, he had a steady hand and could walk softly and hear my voice. And I thought to myself how I can't get a cup of coffee from the cabinet, the counter, to the table, Without, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, there must be some way I walk, you know. I must walk, walk like Ma Kettle or something, you know. I kind of, I, 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 I would be a terrible waiter. And I don't have much patience. And I thought, oh, my gosh. No wonder Nehemiah, he could walk softly and hear the voice of the Lord. And so I said, okay, uh, I'm not saying that derogatory anymore about Nehemiah he is just a waiter I said forgive me Lord he's like yeah just learn just go just realize so now that scripture even means more to me right you see that's what the Holy Spirit's all about to show you and teach you things going on now listen to me my buddy Dwayne he's outside and we've known each other for a long long time he's been here for forever with me and even he'll say if you go ask him He'll say, yeah, I've seen Robert say things out of his mouth that I thought, that's the Holy Ghost because he didn't know that. <laughs> and it's the truth. All I got to do is get under the anointing and I'm, I, I, I can flow in the things of God. Outside the anointing, man, you know, I'm, I'll give you some help and some advice in some areas, but you know what I mean. I got to have the Holy Ghost keep me out of trouble. 
Now, I want to show you something. I want to show you this in play because this is the way I love to preach. Uh, I, I go to Exodus 23, Exodus 23, 20. I love to show you an example from the Old Testament so that you can then use it to plot your course in life. I was reading this story in just my daily reading, and I just, man, I was jumping up and down on top of the table when I got through with it. So it's Exodus 23. It's after, after the children of Israel have left Egypt, okay? So you've got to imagine this, this scene. There's, no one knows exactly the number because the, the, the women and the kids weren't numbered. And so, but it's, like, it's not like, you know, like 100 people left Egypt. It's like three to five million people walked out of Egypt. It is not like, I mean, folks, come on. Listen, can you just imagine where are three or five million people going to go to the bathroom? Can you just think of the logistics of this whole complete thing? Okay, three to five million people coming out, moving. And so God is giving Moses the, the, the way to do it. He's laying down the groundwork for Moses and in chapter 23, this is after Moses has gone up, or actually as he was up on the mountain, and God gave him the Ten Commandments. He's given him these, these things. And so he says in 2320, he said, Now behold, I'm going I'm to send an angel before you and keep you in the way and bring you into the place which I have prepared. Now whenever you read the Old Testament and the word angel is capitalized, okay, it means that that's not a normal angel. That is Jesus before he got to earth. It is the angel of the Lord. It's Jesus. All right? So he says, behold, I sent an angel before you. It's capitalized. So let me just put it in plain English here. That's Jesus. And I'll keep you in the way and bring you into the place in which I have prepared. Now, here we go. Jesus has prepared a place for you. Now, hear me. He's prepared a place for you. Right? John 14, 1, what did he say? I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. But here on this earth, Jesus has prepared a place for you. He's prepared a destiny for you. He's prepared a, a life for you. He has prepared a purpose for you. He's prepared a mate for you. He's prepared children for you. He's prepared where you're going to live for you. He has prepared this for you. Every one of you. You have a destiny. Now, you may be stopping around and saying, oh, well, am I supposed to be living in utopia? Or am I supposed to be living here? Or am I supposed to be doing this? Chill out. Let me finish. Just chill. Don't get into that panic mode because then you're not going to hear anything else i got to say. Look what he says about this angel is going to do for you. He's going to keep you in the way and bring you to the place in which I have prepared. He's going to do it. Not you. You just got to follow the angel. See, I would have found it very easy to have made it through the, the wilderness. Because I am a leader, but I'm also a follower. When I find Jesus in something, I'm following Jesus, and I'm not going to deviate off of it. I'm not going to get off of it. I have the ability to put one foot in front of the other and just keep following Jesus. All right? Now, hear me. If you just had to get out of your tent in the morning and throw open the tent flap and look, it ain't too hard. If, if it was daylight, the angel of the Lord was there. If it was night, the, the fire of God, the glory cloud was there. In the morning, the glory cloud, the cloud was there. But listen, all you had to do was look 
if it was there and it started moving, ah, pick up the tent, let's go. How hard could it be to follow a cloud in the sky or an angel glowing? You just had to just say, oh, there he is. But you had to find him every morning. Oh, we get up in the morning, we're busy. We got to go do this, we got to go do that. I got to get here, I got to get there. We never look up to see where the angel is. You know I'm speaking just in, you know, metaphorically there. Don't look for an angel, you know. I mean, I'm just saying you got to look for Jesus. You got to look for the Holy Spirit. Where is he? Where is the Holy Spirit? What is he saying to do today? Have you arranged your day and you got up? What I do, because I got to do something. I got to head in a direction. I'm not just going to sit there drinking coffee till, you know, till I see a manifestation. I'm going to set my day. I'm going to say, oh, Lord, now this is what I see I need to accomplish today. But my life's in your hands. So whatever I end up today doing, I just think you're going to lead me into it. And if it's not what I have just talked about right now, that's okay with me. But I just want to know it's you. And then I'll get up myself, go to work, head my direction. And then if I end up talking to this person or that person or going over here or having to go over there, somebody calls me that I need this, and then I'm going to go over there, I'm going to do this. And a lot of times, see, I get caught up in the fight and the struggle between what I want to do and what keeps coming up. And so I've had to turn, I've had to learn to say, okay, Lord, uh, <laughs> I'm your servant, so I'll go do that. You follow me? Okay, because you got to follow the angel. Now, here we go. He says, now watch this. He says, he's going to bring you to the place he's prepared for you. The Holy Ghost will get you there. But look at this next verse, or this next sentence. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him. Man, don't be messing with the angel. Oh, man. How many times are we arguing with God? How many times are we saying, well, God, if you'd just do this, if you'd just do that, well, if you'd have done this, if you'd have done that, well, Lord, I don't know why you're waiting on this. I mean, when goodness gracious, if you do anything. He said, man, don't mess with the angel. Don't provoke him. Now, like again, I don't know who would be stupid enough to do it. There's an angel. She's just, just a big angel. What are you going to do? Go up and say something to him? Mess around with him? Say, well, why aren't you taking us over here more to the north? Who would do that? Well, there's a lot of stupid people in the world. But because we don't see an angel, hear me now, because we don't physically see the angel standing there, we think we have a voice in the situation. Where if you would learn to follow the Holy Spirit means you've got to get up every day and submit yourself to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you lead me and guide me today. You convict me. When I'm in not acting right, convict me. Give me that eek down on the inside of my gut that says, that's not right. That's not love. That's not forgiveness. That, oh, I'm sorry, I was building my kingdom instead of your kingdom. Let there be that eek. I mean, I have literally... Been in places in San Antonio, and you know, God, I'm not saying about San Antonio, it's just on the closest big town. And uh, I've gone into stores before and walked in there, and I mean, I got a on the inside of me, and I just turned around and walked back out. I don't care if they had what I needed. 
I'm just like, I'm not, I don't know what's wrong. But I ain't going to, I feel that down inside of me. Something's not right. Most of the time I think, who's coming? You know, I'm thinking, tend to be on a little paranoid side there, you know, <laughs> thinking I'm going to get jumped. But anyway, he said right here, beware of him and obey his voice and do not provoke him for he will not pardon your transgressions. What does the Bible say that the, about the Holy Spirit? He says, if, if you uh, blaspheme the Holy Spirit, says no forgiveness. Isn't that interesting? He says, look at this. For my name is in him. My name is in him. So let's put this in perspective. This is God the Father speaking to Moses about the angel, but it's a capital A, so it's Jesus at that point. Saying my name's in him. And what's the name that every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess? Jesus. So here we go. Then he says, I'll be an enemy. Look at this. I'll be an enemy to your enemies. Wait a minute. Excuse me. Let me back up. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak. So in other words, you're following along, listening. Then I'll be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the into the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pizzerites, the Canaanites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, all that ite family, you know. And I will cut them off. And you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from your midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send, listen to this, I will send hornets before you. Hornets! Which shall drive out the Hevites, the Canaanites, the Hittite, all that Ite family again. And I will not, I will not drive them out from look at I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from you before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. In other words, God's saying, Look, I can't come into your life and just take you from salvation to Worldwide ministry in one step. Yeah, folks, listen to me. So many times in life, we, you, you, you tend to start comparing yourself with other people. Or you start wanting to be, maybe the word's envious, you know, but you start looking at other people and you think, oh, that rich man over there, he's got it all made. He's got all the riches and wealth and everything that's set up for him. Man, what an easy life he lives. But let me tell you something. Every part, and I don't care who you are in life, if you're battling through poverty or you have wealth, there's battles and there's things to overcome no matter where you are. There is nobody got it, got it easy. It's just a different set of problems you have to deal with. Now, I've been rich and I've been poor, and I'll tell you this, rich is better. 
But when I was poor, I learned a lot. Let me tell you what, I would not know the basis of faith that I have in my life today for my family and I if I wouldn't have walked through the things I went to. I'm talking about I was digging change out from the seat cushions trying to get something. I'm talking about not having enough money to feed my family. I'm talking about giving an offering for $7 and weeping over it because we didn't. that was all the money we had to buy food that week. I know what poor is. Ain't nobody going to tell me what poor is. Ain't nobody going to tell me what broke is. I know what broke is. I know what it's like to have, have the IRS on your back. Slap a seven-year lien on you. Take everything in the world from you. Couldn't get a credit card. Going to get a credit card, a Sears credit card, and they wouldn't even give me one. I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like to have everything coming down on you. But listen to you. I can also tell you I know what it's like to get on my knees and pray. And believe my God for finances. Believe my God for something. And then all of a sudden see something happen. See a miracle take place. One time my well went out. And I needed 200 bucks to get a pump from my well. And I didn't have 200. That might have been $2 million. And I got down and I prayed. And I said, God, I got I to get $200. I don't know how to get $200. I don't know what to do. But you said you'd supply for me. And I'm down. I'm in the pump house. So I'm on my knees. <laughs> Figured it's a good time to pray. And I'm praying, and I said, God, you wanted to do something. Boom, phone rings. Somebody says, hey, Robert, I need another guide for a hunt. Could you go guide this hunter? I said, yeah, I'll go guide the hunter. And so I go guide the hunter, and he gets out, and he, just says, he said, I also want to give you a tip and give me 200 bucks. I just sat there and wept, said, my God, my God, my God, look what you did. Carried it right down there, gave it to him. said, boys, get out there and fix that pump. Hurry up. They didn't know I was short till that moment I walked into the store. I wasn't short. I had it. It just took me a little time for God to work it out. I've seen God do that. I saw my son have a compound fracture in his arm. We didn't have no way to pay. We didn't have no insurance. We didn't have anything. Took him to the, took him to the doctor and uh, ended up, the doctor that was on call, happened to be the, the number three uh, orthopedic surgeon in San Antonio, specialized in this exact break. Took him in there, took him, went to the hospital. The whole time I'm just thinking, hey, Jesus, how are we going to pay for this? I want, you know, how am I going to get out of this? Did all the work on him, did all the stuff to him. We get through the guy, they come to me, it's time to pay. Uh-huh. Oh, man, it's a sick feeling. Walking down there, no, I ain't got to die. And I walk in there and they said, sir, what is your occupation? I said, well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a minister. Really? You're a minister? That is amazing. He says, that grant just came by. It just came in effect the day yesterday for ministers. And he said, well, what are you doing? I told him where it was. God, we are so glad to serve you. Thank you for being a minister. God bless you. Your, your bill's paid. We just walk out. Had the best surgeons. Everything taken care of us. We just walk out. Go get in the car, drive off, shout the praises of God. Look what he did for me. You back up on that and you can sit around and whine all day long. Well, Lord, why my son fall out of the tree and break his arm? Where were you? Why didn't an angel catch him? Wouldn't that have been easier, Lord, just have an angel catch him? No, because now i got unbelievable faith. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about my... My, my, my grandson, my oldest grandson, when he was born, I was in the delivery room. And he's born and he ain't breathing. 
I see the worry on the doctor's face. I see all the things going on. I see the worry there on their face. And man, that's my grandson. That's my, that's my baby. <laughs> they kept asking, did I need a sedative? The whole time it was going on, because, man, I'm praying in tongues. I'm being the wild, crazy man behind the curtain. And then all of a sudden, man, there's problems. I come busting out of that curtain. I said, what's the matter? Well, he's not breathing just right. They didn't want to say anything. They're popping him. They're beating him. Anything. And I looked over there, and I looked in that crib, and I said, holy in the name of Jesus, you will breathe. <coughs> he coughed him. Woo, went on. You're not going to ever tell me, folks, come on, that God doesn't have power. You cannot take it from me. You can't go out there and beat me on a wagon wheel and tell me that God's not a God that will move. But we have to obey the voice of the angel. And if we're not obeying the voice of the Holy Ghost, we're going to get ourselves into places that we shouldn't be in. Then you got to fight yourself out of that place to get back over on the road. When you're stuck in the mud, come on, you get off the road and you get off the highway and you get over in the median where you shouldn't be. You're chasing a deer and you shouldn't have been doing it. And you got over there and you got stuck and you got mud all over your truck. That mud just don't fall off. Hello? Hello? you got to go get it off. You got a problem. Now you got to wash the truck. And so we always, as Christians, we just want to say, God, remove the mud. No, you went over there. You got off the path. You got over into the ditch. That buck was too big. He lured you over there. You were tempted by your flesh. Hunting the long lease. So we got to get to our, ourselves to this place because he's saying, I'll take care of you. I'll, I'll go in. I'll do this. But you're going to have to increase. You're going to have to let me help you so that I can't just fix everything because then you're, you're not going to. You're going to have to let me drive a little out. You're going to increase. You're going to get rid of a little things of the flesh. You're going to increase. You're going to get some of the things out. You're going to increase. It's a process. It's a journey. No one gets saved. And the next day you are the sanctified saint. Of the Holy Ghost. No. And so we get irritated with each other as Christians because we think, well, he ought to have been smarter than that. Well, some people slow learners. Hello? Some people slow learners. And it takes a while to get increase so he can, get, you know, get some space so he can increase you. But we got to be watching our productivity. We got to be watching what we're doing, where to keep going. Okay? So there's blessings to obeying the voice. That's where we want to be. And then he said, look, when you get in there, when you get in there, and I'm going to get really good. Now I'm going to start preaching. He said, when you get in there into the land, he said, don't get in agreement with the, the devil gods. The, the, you know, don't get in, take up their ways. Because if you do, it ain't going to go well with you, right? Now, there's all kinds of temptations, all right? And so all of these different gods. Now, it's funny because I want to tell you something. Listen to me. And this is kind of heated. Kind of even my feet are a little hot. I'm going to say this. But, you know, a lot of Christians want to go to a church, the church they're, that they're comfortable in. They always talk about, well, I just didn't feel comfortable there. I didn't feel comfortable there. Well, listen to me. You need to go to a church where you're going to be challenged. Because if you go to a church where you're comfortable, then what do you do? You go to sleep. Because what happens when we get comfortable? We go to sleep. Hello? 
Now, I do keep the temperature in here cold because I'm trying to keep you awake. I want you to shiver, all right, because I know you people. If I got it too warm in here, you're like, yeah. So I keep it as cold as I can for that purpose. But listen to me. What happens to us in life is you don't want to go to a church that makes you feel comfortable because you go to a church that makes you feel comfortable, you're just going to get comfortable. You're just going to sit on the couch, eat potato chips, and get fat. You want to go to a church that's going to challenge you. And we have too many Christians who want to just find the place where they feel comfortable. You want to go to a church that's going to challenge you, is going to stretch you, is going to pull you. That's what I try to do here. And that's why a lot of people don't like it here because I'm going to preach the truth. And so people say, well, let me tell you, you know, I can't handle that. Well, I'm just telling you the truth. I don't listen. I'm just going to, I'm going, I know I'm saved. I'm going to go to heaven, preacher. I don't want to spend time reading the Bible. And I don't want to spend time talking to no Holy Spirit. The ghost, Casper, makes, freaks me out. Don't like it. Had a man tell me one time, he said, look, God wants you to fill the Holy Spirit. He'll fill me the Holy Spirit. Quit talking to me about it. I said, don't work like that. He said, yeah, it's whatever. Well, that's, you're not going to be comfortable here. Right? Because you're going to want to get, you're going to get hit in the face of the truth. I'm determined I'm going to preach the truth in the middle of whatever's going on and whatever things. I don't care if they're standing outside trying to arrest me. Bless God, I'm going to preach the truth. I'm going to stay on the truth because that's the only thing I got to stand on. Okay, so I want you to turn to Luke 418. Luke 418. Luke 4.18, Jesus is quoting actually from Isaiah 63, but Jesus is his first message he preached here. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Okay? Now, let me just stop for a second here. Now, here's what I'm going to preach. Your feet are going to get hot. All right? Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Let me ask you a question. I don't need you to answer this is not expected to have a, 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 a remark from here, uh, okay? But I want to ask you this question. What spirit is upon you? You've got the griping spirit. You've got the worry spirit. You've got the apathy spirit. Who's speaking to you today? What spirit is upon you? The victim mentality spirit? Huh? The envy spirit? The jealousy spirit? When are you going to say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me? What Spirit is upon you? Huh? Are you the Spirit of the, is, is it the Spirit of the Lord upon you? Or is it, listen to me, is it a devil just influencing you? Now look at this principle. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to what? Preach the gospel. What gospel are you preaching? Because if you got a envy spirit on you, you got a jealousy spirit on you, you got a lying spirit on you, that is the gospel you are preaching. The devil knows how this works. He's like, man, if I can get them to be my prophets, if I can get them to go sit around drinking coffee and gossiping and speaking ugly about everybody, they're my prophets and they're preaching my gospel. And they're going to declare mine. If they get to go out and point out the problems with everybody else, then they're preaching my gospel. And they're doing my work. And they're becoming the same as what Jesus was trying to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointing me to preach the good news, the gospel. Well, you just become the prophet of the devil. Woohoo! 
Make your feet a little hot, huh? Listen to me. You got to watch it. When you want to get into grappling and murmuring and complaining, when you want to get into all those kind of wham, 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 whams, listen to me. You're just being a prophet of the devil. And you're preaching his gospel. And the world today needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to hear the good news that there is a way that you're going to make it. Everything's going to be okay. That God is God. I was reminded this morning of Sister Dodge. Uh, many of you in here probably don't know her, didn't meet her, but she's, she's a great lady, a, man, a woman of God. You know, I got to know her towards the end of her life, and she was here in church and for many years, and I think she passed away when she was 92. She was all but maybe five foot tall, been all over the world, packed kids, had four children up on, a, on, on donkey backs going up to, to Nepal to preach the gospel. I mean, it's an unbelievable story, this woman. She was here in church. And one day she comes and she, 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 anytime she wanted to say anything, she got the mic. I didn't, I, I, I just, it was my, she won't say something, she got it. She just said, Pastor, she stopped me right in the middle of the message. Don't make no difference. I give her the mic and she can preach. And so one day she said, I want to testify. I want to testify. And I said, okay. So I gave her the mic and she's walking up and down the church here testifying. And she starts talking. She says, yeah, this morning I was trying to get up and I wanted to go to church. And, and that devil, he just trying to keep me from going to church. She said, I just got up and I was doing my normal prayer time. And she said, man, over here, my whole left side of my body just felt kind of started tingling and it didn't feel right. And she said, I just kept walking, praying and talking to Jesus. And in a minute, she said, my foot wouldn't work and I was dragging my foot. And she said, then, you know, it felt like the side of my face over here wasn't working right. And, and, and I'm like, woman is having a stroke. And she said, I just kept saying, devil, you're not going to keep me from going to church. I'm going to church this morning. She said, I drug myself around the room. Took me, she said, it took me about an hour. Pray that devil off me. She said, but I'm here this morning and I'm going to here to tell you, Jesus loves you. And I'm like, how many, how many people going to fight through a stroke to get to church? I mean, nowadays you walk outside, the wind's blowing. Oh, I might get oak pollen in my nose going to church. I better. I was going to come to church, Pastor, but there's so much pollen on my windshield, couldn't see out. I mean, it don't take much. This woman prayed through a stroke. Well, I wasn't about to tell her that she had a, was having a stroke. I didn't say nothing. I went to some of the family afterwards and said, did she pray through? That's an old Pentecostal term again, praying through. We don't have many people today that want to pray through. We just want to pray and go to the McDonald's window and pick it up. We want the fast food Christianity. We want to just pull up, fast food come right through. We get it. Most people don't want to pray through. You don't want to, I mean, if you, you know, I mean, my gosh, I had, you know, say, I had a prayer meeting this morning. You know, I prayed and prayed. I mean, I, it's about five minutes I was praying. Had a person tell me one time, say, yeah, I, I don't believe that what you're talking about tithing, tithing just doesn't work. I said, really? I said, that's kind of amazing. It's the promise of God. And you, I mean, <laughs> how can you say it didn't work? So I tried it. Tithe last week, nothing happened. I said, well, God bless you. I didn't even get into that one. I just said, I don't know what to say. That's how we are. 
And I want to tell you, there's a lot of Christians that are prophets of the devil. Because the spirit of the devil is upon them, not the spirit of God. Because they've been listening to the voice of worry and they've been listening to the voice of fear. You don't think this, listen to me, folks, you don't think this spirit of fear going around the world, have you noticed? You've just got to open your eyes and see this, folks. Listen, this is not conspiracy theory. This is demon 101. Folks, listen to me. It's a spirit of fear trying to work in your heart to say that something's going to kill you. To get you focused and worried on the thing of fear and not focused on the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his promises are to you. And if you can't see that right now, folks, listen to me, you're deceived. I'm just telling you, you're caught in a delusion. You have a spirit speaking to you and you are now covered and anointed by that spirit to walk in fear. And you become a prophet of fear. You become a prophet of the devil. If you're always walking around with your head held down, woe is me, woe is me, that is your ministry. You have taken on that ministry and you are its prophet. Oh, I still got time. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that away. And there is to even me, myself, I'm telling you, I can hear the whispers of the enemy at times speaking to me. And then I'll speak to him and I'll, I'll start to say, yeah. And then I'm like, whoa, what a minute, what are you talking to me for? Get out of here. We all can be lured into it, but we have to become aware of it. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you. The Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Jesus can deliver you from anything. Jesus can set you free from anything. Listen to me. Somebody says, well, I don't know. No, Jesus can set you free from anything. I do not care what's wrong with you. I don't care how crazy you are or how crazy there's crazy and crazy and crazy in your family. I don't care what your DNA says. Jesus can fix it. Jesus can do anything if you just turn to him. You say, well, you know, but pastor, this is... No, don't give me those yabbats. You're just like the children of Israel who went into the promised land and looked at the promised land and said, yeah, it's a great land. Yeah, but there's giants out there. Jesus is a giant killer, man, and he wants to work through you. He wants to get the Spirit of God upon you, and you become a giant killer by the Holy Ghost. I preached a message a long time ago about the, the, a real man's trophy room. And it's not hanging heads of animals, but it's hanging heads of things that you have slaughtered in your life. That you have found that, you know, depression hangs on your wall because you beat it. You killed it, stuffed it, put it up on the wall. And I went through this whole thing about all these things. That's how we need to be. We need to be hunting out the places in our life that as we've traveled through this land, hey, he said, you're going to go through a land of, of ungodliness. We're in a land of ungodliness. How has it gotten on you? You find it, you kill it, you stuff it, and put it on the wall. So there's my trophy. I killed. Yeah, I used to be lustful, and there I killed it. It's right there. I killed that spirit of lust. He's on the, he's on the wall over there. I used to be stingy. Killed it right there. There it is. I'm now generous. I used to just be introverted. Couldn't speak to nobody. Hey, I killed him. Put him over the wall right there. That's the way you need to be in life. You find those things in your life. You find the weaknesses in your life because God can't increase you. Just wipe it all out. 
until you are ready for increase. It's a battle. It's a challenge and a battle. But you know what? You see, you got to understand something. If you use the weapons of God, they're very good. They're very accurate. Once you've gotten the weapons of God sighted in, it's just a matter of learning trigger, pull, and breath. And that baby's yours. He gives you the Holy Ghost range finder, man, that is so accurate. You know, I got one I hadn't told y'all. I might as well let it go. I had wanted a pair of range-finding binoculars. And uh, this is a true story, no exaggeration. And so through pastor's appreciation and everything, I sorted me some money over there. I said, by God, if the church would have bought these for me and given them to me and handed them to me that day, how proud I'd be. So it's the same way. I'm just going to take this money. I'm going to buy them. So I did. I bought a good one. Man, I was proud of it. I had that thing, worked my rifle in on it, was hunting out in West Texas. Man, I just spot anything out there. You know, oh, just tell me exactly what to set my Everything was glorious. I was so proud of them. Had this new fancy pouch that they sent with it. Went over my shoulder, had my little binoculars, holding them like a baby. Well, it was cold that morning. And I had the binoculars in there, but the, I didn't like the straps and the way that they worked. And so I had just the binoculars in the pouch. But there was a nice safety hook here that hooked them in. But it was cold that morning. I had my gloves on. And so we had to go down through this little draw, and I got stuck. And so I had a bush in front of me I needed to get out of the way. So I reached down and got my big old Eastman camp axe out that I had razor sharp. I mean, that baby was sharp. Could have skinned a deer with it. And that old piece of greasewood was in my way up there, so I decided I need to get it out of the way, so I went up there and I got my old camp axe, and man, I, and I knocked out, kicked that out of the way, and looked up, and there was another one up there, but for some reason, it was on the slope, and I didn't go uphill with it, I was downhill, and I bent over kind of like this, and I was chopping, y'all starting to get what's happening? And I throwed back for a big old chop, and as I did, in slow-mo, the binoculars come flying out. I see it. I'm putting the brakes on my muscles. Ah! Whack! I just chopped them right in the middle. I can tell y'all, at that moment, the Spirit of God did not come upon me. I absolutely went feral in a second. <laughs> threw the axe, said a few choice words I shouldn't have said, stomped up the hill, threw rocks, acted the fool. They're laying there, chopped them right in half. Well, they didn't fall apart, but I'm Chapuskish, you know. So, oh boy, I'm hot. I can't believe it. I just sick at my stomach. My buddy picks him up. He's laughing. <laughs> My buddy picks him up, looks through him. He says, wow. He said, you didn't break them. I can still see through them. And I 
chopped them right across all the buttons you push to get ranges and everything. He says, huh, range, it still works. I said, no way. I hit them. Folks, I'm telling you, I hit those babies with just about all I had in a razor-sharp axe. He said, they work. And I said, you got to be kidding me. A guy don't pick them up? I said, God, big old gash through the middle. Right over the buttons, everything. It worked. I said, well. So I was sick. So I knew they were warrantied, but how do you get a warranty on something <laughs> when you chopped them with a camp axe? So the thought came to me all lie. You know, make a big story up. Fell off the side of the mountain or something, you know. But then I thought, well, how can I lie? So I call the company when I get back. <clears throat> get this lady on the phone. I said, uh, I got a little problem with binoculars. But I was on a hunting trip, so I start telling the whole story. I tell the whole story. When I get through, the lady says nothing. She says, well, that's quite the story. <laughs> and she said, well, send them back. We'll see what we can do. And so I packaged them all up, sent them back. A couple of weeks later, brand new pair. I don't know if you'd have been a heathen, it would have happened. Maybe. But I'm just telling you, man, when you start following the Spirit of God, God blesses you at every corner and every turn. When you start listening to His voice, when you get... And so I didn't... Once I went feral there for a minute, then I repented, got the anointing back on me, Right? Then I begin to get my confession. God, you can take care of me. You're going to make this all work out. Got everything working again. But there was a moment I went feral. I'll tell you, I went feral. And so my point is here, look, God will do anything for you. There is nothing that's out. I mean, who would have thought that could have worked out? There is nothing in life that God will not work out for you if you will follow his voice and get the spirit of God on you. When Jesus said the Spirit of the Lord is born because he's anointed me to preach and start preaching what the truth is. But look what he says in. And he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Then you quit breaking hearts and you start mending hearts. Because the gospel of the devil breaks hearts. Then he goes on, he says, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives. You quit putting people in captivity. How do you put people in captivity? With your tongue and what comes off your tongue. You say things to your wife you should never say. You say things to your friends, other people around you, people you get mad at. You say things you should never say. And it brings them into captivity because then they're trying to deal with the, the, the desire to kill you. So they have to deal and get rid of and repent of the murderous spirit that they have on them. Because of what you said. Hello? Okay, and he goes on, he says, uh, uh, liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. You're literally, when, you, when you're operating under the anointing of the devil, you're causing people not to be able to see the, the light of the gospel. So how many Christians have gone out and done stupid things, stupid pastors preach from their pulpit, stupid things that cause people to go blind? They cannot see the light and the goodness of God anymore. 
Why? Because they have the ministry of Satan. They're anointed by the spirit of the devil, not the spirit of God. And he says, and liberty to those that are oppressed and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Like, yeah, Jesus has got it, man. You don't have to be oppressed. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be discouraged. God has got you. He's going to take care of you. And you can rest in him. This is the spirit we need to be anointed with. This is called walking with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me, that's what we need to have every day come in our mouth. Holy Spirit, I thank you you're upon me. Holy Spirit, I thank you you're here with me today. Holy Spirit, I thank you that, that you have, uh, you're leading me and you're guiding me. Amen? That's where we need to be. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to find in life. Folks, listen to me. Jesus wants to change your life. Hear me out there. Jesus wants to change your life. And if you do this with me, just, just close your Bibles for a moment and stand up. Hear me. Maybe you've been, because I felt really strong about this this morning. Maybe you have been touched from somebody by the ministry of Satan. Maybe you ran across somebody that was anointed of the devil. And they spoke things to you and they said things to you that you have been captive or blinded or brokenhearted or oppressed. Well, today Jesus wants to set you free. It's real simple. Because see, all Jesus, that right now in heaven... All of heaven's like this, that is sitting on the edge, poised to come down and deliver you. All you got to do is open up your heart and say, Lord, I want to be free. That's all you got to do is say, I want to be free. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will touch you right where you are in your chair. And so I want to deal with this first. I want to pray first over this. And so what I want you to do is just, just bow your heads, give yourself a little privacy around you, just act like nobody's around you. And if you feel like as I'm preaching this, this is speaking to you, that somewhere you've been touched by the ministry of the devil and you want to be free from that, I want you just to lift your hand and say, yeah, you're preaching to me, preacher. Yeah, thank y'all. Come on, just lift your hands up and hold it up because you know you want Jesus to touch you. Father, you see hands up all over the room. Lord, I got my own hand up. All over this room, Lord, I just declare right now that these people are crying out to you. They want to be set free. Somewhere the devil has lied to them, has spoken to them, has got them caught in bondage. Someone has been the ministry of the devil to them. And I just declare right now, Lord, you set them free. You loose them from those bondages. You loose them from those doubts and unbeliefs. You loose them from from that mentality they can't make it or that non-trusting of people. Lord, wherever they've gone blind to seeing, Jesus, what you're doing. Lord, wherever they've held themselves in captivity because, God, they, oh, Jesus, they, they, they lied. They've been lied to by the devil. 
And I thank you right now for touching them and beginning to set them free. I declare that today they will never be the same because, Lord, today you set them free. No longer do those words or that ministry of the devil have any effect. By the anointing and the power of God, I break that chain over their life. I break those thoughts. I break those lies. Lord, let them be exposed in their lies so they can be rebuked. So they can be rebuked and they can be whole and complete. So, Lord, I thank you right now by the power of the Holy Ghost, you do that. By the power of the Holy Ghost, you do that. So everyone's got your hands raised. Those of you that are wanting this, just begin to say, Lord, thank you for setting me free. Just tell him there to say, Lord, thank you for setting me free. I declare I'm free. I declare I'm free. I declare I'm free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to pray for a different set of people, okay? I want to pray for those of you who you're desiring today to meet the Holy Spirit. You're desiring today to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to have you come up front here because I just believe God right now is going to touch you in your seat. But if you want to have maybe a more vibrant relationship or you want to just have the Holy Spirit come into your life for the first time, I want you just to lift your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I want the Holy Spirit in my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Father, right now, you see those hands lifted. I pray right now to baptize everyone in the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord God, to impart into them, to fill them full to overflowing with your Holy Spirit to pour out into them, Lord God, and let them see things they've never seen before, hear things they've never heard before, to have a fresh new relationship with you like a new fresh wind. Lord, just like an old nice norther blowing in. Lord, just come blowing in their lives. A freshness. Let them see the Word like they've never seen the Word before. As they open the Bible, let it leap off the pages to them. Let them see it, Lord. Let them see it. Oh, God, let them see it. And the Holy Spirit, I thank you today that these people have had a new introduction. Had had a new introduction to you. And every morning when they say, good morning, Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, you're just going to fill their houses. Lord, let the, let the whole environment of their homes change. Let the whole environment of their workplaces change. Because Holy Spirit, you're going with them everywhere they go. Just let them be able to see the tangibleness of you being there with them, oh God. With you being with them, oh God. It's nothing like it. Thank you, Jesus. Now, everyone watching out there, everyone in here, let me have my, my prayer team come down. Those of you in here today, listen to me. If you've never met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't know Him. Well, the Bible says that the Word's not far off. It's really near you. It's the Word of faith that's been preached. That if you'd call out and believe that Jesus is the Son of God and call upon Him, that you'd be saved. Where it says, with the mouth, confession is made, and the heart, faith is produced, it brings salvation. Jesus is the Son of God. 
He arose from the dead to show us he was the son of God. And he's right there wherever you are, no matter how chaotic your situation is, no matter what mess you're into. If you call upon Jesus and ask him to come into your life, he'll touch you right where you are. And you just need to call upon him and say, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be a part of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. And he will. If you're in this room today and you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Well, we have prayer team people right up here. And I know, you know, that it gets a little like maybe you're a little embarrassed or something. But listen to me. Don't be embarrassed to go to heaven. Oh, I'm so proud I'm a Christian. I am so glad I'm a Christian. I'm so excited about being a Christian. Man, everybody's trying to tell Christians to be quiet. I am so excited I'm a Christian. I just jump up and down. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Somebody's got anything to say to me? I'm a Christian, boy. What do you believe? I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I read my Bible. How about you? That's what I won't tell everybody. I is nothing greater than being a Christian. So if you're not sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven, then you need to come up front here and pray. If you're with somebody, listen to me. If your friends brought you this morning something, just look at them and say, I, I need to go front and pray. And they'll bring you up here. They'll bring you up here and you can pray. But folks, listen to me. Don't leave the building today if you don't know that you're right with God. You do not know what tomorrow brings. You do not know what tomorrow brings. And so let me pray over you. If you need prayer for anything else, we're here up front to pray with you. But Father, bless them right now. As they go off into the world, as they go out today, Lord God, let us be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us be preachers and let us be anointed with the spirit of Christ on us, Lord. Don't let us be ministers of the devil. And so Lord, bless them. Bless them as we go. Everywhere we go, let us have divine appointments this week. Let us lead people to Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for them. And I thank you that your good hand is upon them, Lord. Right now, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Now, before you leave, just look at somebody around and say, you know, you got it this morning. You got it. God bless you, church.